The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the keynote by CNBC Events. It's your front row seat for in-depth, candid conversations with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders recorded live in front of an audience. And I'm your host, Tyler Matheson. And today, we're going to talk to Brian Nickel. Who's he? Well, he's the CEO of a company you probably know and almost certainly have patronized, Chipotle. Recorded in November at Evolve, I'm joined today by Kate Rogers. Hi, Kate. Hi, Tyler. Thanks for having me here today. Uh, so I've been covering restaurants at CNBC now for just about two and a half years. And one of the most incredible stories so far has been the comeback of Chipotle. The company's been around since 1993. They've now got over 2,500 stores. They did struggle in the past few years uh, with food safety issues, you know, and that hurt the stock. But Brian Nickel was brought in to kind of get this company back on track, and he has done that and more. I mean, the stock itself, since he came on in early 2018, is up over 100%. Br- brought in from a competitor. From Taco Bell, that's right, where he led a similar turnaround. So he definitely knows what he's doing. He knows his tacos Uh, and his burritos, I guess. Definitely, but a different concept at Chipotle. The food is fresh. It's presented to you right in front of the counter so you can see what you're ordering. Made to order. Exactly, made to order. And priority number one, he told us at CNBC when he got this job, was to remind customers why they love Chipotle to begin with. They have a mantra at the company. It's all about food with integrity. So he wants to stay true to those missions. And he also ramped up digital ordering, pickup, and delivery. And that's been one of the really big growth drivers for this company and the stock performance. Investors are really excited about that. Um, they've got things like Chipotle's, where you can order ahead of time on mobile or on your desktop, and then go and actually just Go through a drive-thru and pick it up, which is not something that Chipotle was doing It's before. amazing how many restaurant companies, from Starbucks mm-hmm. to McDonald's to Chipotle, are rel- Domino's is exactly. really a digital company with a pizza company attached to it. That's so true. And the digital growth at Chipotle the past few quarters has been either at or near 100%. Per like, quarter. Those are not numbers that we see every day. That's abnormal. It's, it's pretty <laughs> wild. And so Brian Nichols sat down with me at our Evolve conference in L.A., and here's our conversation. So when we first sat down, when you got this job, you told me priority number one was to remind people why they love Chipotle in this new role. So I'd love for you to kind of explain to the audience, where do you even start? Sure. So uh, obviously Chipotle was founded on a really simple idea, which was uh, give people access to real culinary experiences, real fresh ingredients uh, in a really fast way and in an affordable way. Mm -hmm. And uh, You know, they had 20-plus years of tremendous success with those simple uh, beliefs and a purpose of getting people access to food with integrity. Unfortunately, they had some challenges, and, you know, the organization became really defensive and uh, I think forgot to keep talking about what made the food unique, what made the brand unique, and what really made the culture and the company unique. And so that's what I meant by saying, hey, we've got to get back to talking about why people love it. Um, you know, one of the biggest challenges sometimes in organizations is internally the organization just gets really defensive and stops, you know, staying on the offensive and really continue to move the purpose forward. And we've got a really simple purpose, cultivating a better world and bringing people more access to food with integrity. So 
that gets people excited when they realize uh, that's what we're all about. You also took over for a founder CEO in Steve Ells. That can sometimes be a challenging thing to do sure. as the new person coming in. What tips would you have for someone who's in a similar situation? How did you go about navigating that? Yeah, sure. Well, so uh, Steve uh, came up with this idea, um, and he was a classically trained chef. Uh, and actually, the first Chipotle he opened, the reason why he opened it was to raise enough money to open a fine dining restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, and then what he discovered was a lot of people like uh, burritos. Um, and so <laughs> More luckily, than fine dining, yeah, perhaps, more, right? yeah, Yeah, exactly. And he realized he could probably have a few more uh, Chipotle's than fine dining restaurants. And uh, so one of the things that's great is Steve has got the history. You know, I mean, he worked in the very first restaurant and the first couple of restaurants where he was braising the meats. Uh, he went out and bought the plywood to make the counters. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's great to have somebody with that much passion and commitment to, uh, you know, really the brand and the company to be at your access. Mm -hmm. so, so it's been good, you know. Uh, he didn't want to be the CEO anymore, mm -hmm. so it worked out well. Um, but, you know, it's great to still have him on the board and uh, have him be as an access point or a resource when you need him. A big focus under your tenure here has been accessibility and making sure that people can access Chipotle and making sure the restaurant kind of meets them where they want to be. A lot of that's been digital growth. We will definitely talk about that. But what's been the plan for expanding accessibility, and how did you come in and kind of decide where the restaurant needed to be and, and what avenues you would be bringing people, you know, this accessibility? Yeah, so one of the things uh, you quickly realize with Chipotle is one of the biggest complaints we have from our customers is there isn't a Chipotle near them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they wanted to have just more access in general. So uh, the good news is uh, we continue to build a lot of restaurants. Uh, you know, this year we'll build probably 140 plus restaurants. Next year we'll build more than that. Um, but one of the things we also realized is in our restaurants, I get this question a lot like, what do you think of dark kitchens? Um, and one of the things I point out to everybody is I have 2,500 dark kitchens um, because actually we have a second uh, line in the back of the restaurant that was actually created 20 years ago for fax orders and uh, catering. And, uh, you know, the good news is we took out the last fax machine about a month ago uh, <laughs> because we now have a business that's very much off-premise and coming through digital. But that whole thing comes into our second uh, food line. And so we literally staff that with uh, our employees to make burritos and bowls on demand when these orders come in. And then we use technology to queue all those orders. So when you go onto your app right now, you know, we'll slot a time for you. So if you say, I want to pick up my food at 12, um, we then queue it into the system so that our team members don't make the food until like 11.55. You walk in, your food's right there, you walk out and off you go. Um, and then most recently, we've just now added, because apparently that wasn't fast enough, uh, we added the ability for people not have to get out of their cars. So... Uh, we now have a pickup window where, you know, you can literally just pull up. Again, you've got your dedicated time. So you show up at 12 o'clock. You say your name through the window. We hand your food out the window and you go. I just saw some t statistics on this. It, it takes us all of 12 seconds um, to get you your food when you pull up in your car because you've already paid in advance. You've already made the whole order. Um, so we've given people exactly what they want, more access and faster access. And uh, so that's worked really well for us. So a big part of that has been digital growth. You know, 88% this past quarter, the two quarters before that, I think it was at or close to 100%. 100% yeah. I mean, talk us through the digital strategy. When you came in, 
we mentioned accessibility, but how do you even begin to really build out a program that not only is successful, but really resonates with consumers and, and hits all the notes that they're looking for? Yeah, look, one of the first things we did is we invested into the restaurant to build the capability. Um, we were already taking digital orders, mm-hmm. uh, but it was on a ticket system. Yep. And so what was happening is, you know, our team members would have to remember to make the food, uh, and they would move this ticket all through the restaurant, whether it was off of our second line or the front line. Problem is when it goes to the front line, it gets in the way of our customers that come into the restaurant, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we've all experienced that where you walk into a place, you're waiting for your food, and a bunch of food keeps coming out, and you're like, well, wait a second, I'm here. Um, I thought my food would come out at some point. Yeah. Um, so we had to invest in the restaurant to give the system the ability for our team members to not have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I literally called it there was this moment of awkwardness where you would order in advance, you walk into the restaurant, you'd come up to our cashier, the woman at cash didn't want to make eye contact with you because she wanted to serve the person coming down this way. The person coming into the restaurant didn't want to cut in front of the line because they felt like there's all these people in line. How do I just cut in front of them? Mm-hmm. Um, so we eliminated all that mm-hmm. by putting in pickup shelves and then the Chipotle lanes as well. And then we added Chipotle lanes most recently, so now you don't even have to come into the restaurant. But we really tried to invest in a digital system. We also created a rewards program which we then now have a currency to incentivize people to access Chipotle in different ways. So it's worked really well, um, you know, and not surprising, young people um, really love it. So. What, love not talking to anyone, not having to yeah, interact yeah, with anyone? Yeah, I know. I, I've got a teenager. I may fall into that category. I and, and I have a teenager, and, you know, I, I constantly tell her to get her head out of the phone, but, um, you know, you got to meet them sometimes on their, on their needs and wants as well. I would love to know kind of what you think about um, – in terms of pressures and challenges and continuing to build on that digital momentum, there are very high hopes for the company. You're, you're meeting and exceeding them. Yeah. What's next? How do you think about that? Well, you know, look, one of the things that uh, I, I should have mentioned right from the beginning is I think one of the things that's really driven these results is we, we've been able to attract and recruit, I think, some of the best leaders, um, whether it's operations, technology, marketing, um, you know, HR, uh, public relations. And the reason why I, I start there is great people attract more great people. And uh, the way I think we ensure that we continue to have success is we have a great culture with great people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the things that's terrific about Chipotle is our purpose is very transparent. It's at the core of who we are. And as a result, a lot of people want to come work at Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, actually, when I interview a lot of people, you know, by the time I'm interviewing, they've already they're experts at whatever specific area they are. I'm, I'm just more interviewing from a standpoint of, you know, what I want to talk to this person in the hallway. You know, if, like, I'm walking down the hallway and I saw this person, do I jump into a conference room to avoid them? <laughs> or do you say, like, oh, yeah, you know, let's chat and, you know, let's hear your ideas for the company. And the thing that I love is the company that you keep, I think, is also an indication of what type of culture you're building. And, you know, a lot of other places that people are interested in share our purpose. You know, um, you know, you hear them talking a lot about like a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's uh, where there's this purpose around the idea of giving people access to whole nutritious food uh, at affordable prices. So I think at the end of the day, keeping great talent with great culture is our best course of action uh, to ensure our continued success. And the motto is, for anyone who's not familiar, food with integrity. Can you kind of talk us through what that looks like and why you think it resonates not only with customers but the team that you're building? Yeah, look, I, I think uh, this is how people want to eat food. Uh, and the more I have gotten into understanding the supply chain of food in America, I, I do think um, we're going to need to change our food culture. Um, it's just 
it's a reality. You know, when you I, and I've had the opportunity now to go to hog farms and cattle ranches and uh, you know local farms to big farms, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think there is just a better way to move farming forward. And frankly, our local farmers are at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we I think have an obligation to continue to support them. Uh, we have a strong partnership with Nyman Ranch. We have a strong partnership with Local Farmers of America. And uh, the reason why is because I think that ultimately is going to produce, I think, better environments, meaning the communities that they operate in, the sustainability, the impact on the planet. But it also results in, I think, more delicious food, more nutritious food. And, uh, you know, that's why people are excited about the idea of food with integrity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you actually go out there and see the difference between a hog farm where these animals are pasture-raised and, you know, they're living in little A-frames, uh, you feel like you're doing the right thing for the animal. You feel like you're doing the right thing for the farm. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately you're doing the right thing for, our, I think, our food system. And, you know, when you talk to people, um, they would love to have more access to that type of cuisine. Uh, and, frankly, if you talk to farmers, they would prefer to farm that way. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a... I think it's something that we'll continue to push, and uh, the nice thing is this whole fast casual category uh, continues to grow, and I think it'll continue to push the supply chain and food culture in this direction. Coming up on the keynote, how working on the scope campaign, the mouthwash at Procter & Gamble, prepared Brian Nickel for his job at Chipotle. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, package-less and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Kate Rogers, and you're listening to Chipotle CEO Brian Nickel on stage at our Evolve conference in Los Angeles. Let's talk a bit about delivery. You talked about the pickup part of the business, which is growing significantly. Delivery, I think it's been mentioned a few times, is the fastest growing part of your business. Uh, We've heard you know, from other CEOs in the industry who think what's happening right now is not sustainable, too much competition among all of these different players, more regulation coming in. What do you see as the future of delivery? And how does that play into the growth that Chipotle will continue to experience? Yeah, look, delivery is a piece of our off-premise business. It's not the biggest piece. Mm -hmm. It is the fastest growing piece. Um, But, you know, look, I think consumers will continue to want uh, delivery. Uh, You know, there's lots of businesses that have proven people would like more things delivered to them than not. Oh, right? I know. I pay the right, four, right. five, six dollar fees. That's and right. That's right. Depending or, on you what know, you're getting, like right? our family, we have an Amazon bag Prime. at the front oh, door yeah. five times a day. Um, so, <laughs> you know, delivery is not going away. Uh, if anything, the category will continue to figure out the profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the players like Uber Eats and DoorDash and such. Uh, I think they will continue to figure out how they get to a place where they can make those transactions profitable. For us, it's very attractive because we already have a second production line where we make the food, and we actually do it in a much more efficient way Mm -hmm. than our front line. So our most profitable transaction is a digital transaction. Mm -hmm. So when you're working from a really healthy economic model and then you add in something like additional access like delivery, it works economically for us. The thing I've heard from uh, some of the delivery providers is we're one of the number one requested 
brands to be delivered. Mm -hmm. So I think we're helping them grow their business as well. So uh, it works, but I think it's definitely a fluid um, system that's going to continue to evolve over time. So the environment, obviously, in the fast food space is extremely competitive. You guys are set to likely be the best performing stock again this year uh, in the sector. How much do you watch what other people are doing? I mean, there's been a, a slew of new talent in terms of the C-suite with yeah. all of these restaurants. I know since I came onto the beat, it's been about two years, and it feels like just about every company has a new CEO. They all have their own plans. How much do you listen to the noise? How much do you tune it out? Well, you know, I, I think where a lot of the uh, changes have happened actually aren't in our kind of category and mm-hmm. our way of doing food. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, I read the news. I'm interested in our industry from top to bottom. Um, but... You know, we're much more focused on how do we continue to grow our food culture Mm -hmm. around this idea of food with integrity. Uh, And I believe if we do that correctly, Mm -hmm. um, the fast casual category is still really small and it's going to continue to grow. And one of the things I usually get the question like, well, aren't you worried about all the competition in fast casual? And I'm like, actually, I think it's just the opposite. I think it's a validation of how people want to eat. Because Mm -hmm. if you look at all the young startup restaurant companies, they're in the space of fast casual, Mm -hmm. which I think is an indication of, well, all the innovation and uh, the youthful uh, approach to restaurants is going to continue to grow our category. And we happen to have a lot more scale than everybody else uh, with 2,500 restaurants. Um, So, you know, when you compare some of these other concepts like uh, Sweet Greens or whatever, you know, they've got 100 restaurants, um, you know, they can't match our... uh, our value proposition, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth. And I think what's really interesting about Fast Casual is we, you know, we have quality food, we have speed, we have great value, and we have tremendous customization. And, like, when I went to business school, they kind of told you pick one of those, um, and you've got potentially a viable proposition. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we've got all four, uh, I think, is just an indication of why this category is going to continue to grow aggressively. And I, I think Chipotle will be one of the leaders in that growth story. You came from Taco Bell, where you had obviously a history of innovating. Breakfast, I know, is something that yeah. you were a big part of. Some of the big limited time offers that were very splashy. Chipotle is very clearly a very different business model. Sure. How much of the Taco Bell lessons and mindset did you bring with you to the new role? You know, what I would say is... Uh, you know, the thing in that job was also a little bit of a turnaround at the time, and it's the classic case of you have to understand what is unique about your business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had the opportunity to work at Procter & Gamble before I worked at Young Brands, and one of the things I learned early in my career at Procter & Gamble, because I worked on Scope mouthwash to Pringles potato chips, okay, um, which couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. Sour cream and onion does not leave you with good breath. You need one so, after the other. Yeah, I guess it yeah. was, yeah, I needed scope to compensate for my Pringles potato chips. But, <laughs> you know, what you quickly learn is it's a very, you know, the way you make money and the way that you have this business connect mm-hmm. with your customer, which is very different. Scope was all about, you know, this simple benefit of killing bad breath germs. Pringles was much more about lifestyle and bringing to life the idea of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you pop, you can't stop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as, you, as I've had experiences working on these different brands or companies, you know, I, I think one of the things that I've done a pretty good job at is recognizing what's different about it, what's core to that business, and then taking that core business and elevating it and making it relevant. Um, so that's, that's what we're doing at Chipotle. Still ahead on the keynote, the two most important words in business, according to Chipotle CEO Brian Nickel. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. Welcome back to the keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Kate Rogers, and you're listening to Chipotle CEO Brian Nickel on stage at our Evolve conference in Los Angeles. So you've been in this role for just under about two years. In, in yeah. March, it'll be two years. I'll put you on the spot here. Yeah. Uh, what's been your biggest lesson that you've learned as CEO at Chipotle? Yeah, look, uh, I would say, you know, we have 80,000 employees um, because we uh, own all 2,500 restaurants. And um, you cannot underestimate how important uh, it is for people from the person that is serving you, um, you know, asking you the question, burrito or bowl, all the way up to our executive leadership team, Mm -hmm. that everybody's aligned and understands what we are trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that, and it really came to, I guess, reality for me. We do this all-managers conference where we bring in all our managers. So we had about 3,500 people uh, together, and, you, you know, you're talking to these people one-on-one, and then you get up on stage and you look out and you see all 3,500 <laughs> managers, and you're like, all right, we got to make sure we're all rowing together. Yeah, on the same page, right? On the same page, and, uh, you know, it's uh, when you do get it, though, uh, man, you get really powerful results, and, uh, you know, I think that's a big reason why we've had some of the success we've had to date is because I think we've got 80,000 people really optimistic about our future, but firmly entrenched in believing in this idea of cultivating a better world. Perfect. Brian, thank you so much. We're going to open it up to the audience now if anybody has any questions. Right here. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for sharing your candid experience. My name is Melissa. Uh, and we focus on the Hispanic marketing side of uh, the world. And one of the common questions that we face with our clients and in our own business is how to prioritize our roadmaps. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who entered as a new CEO two years ago, I can imagine that was probably an overwhelming task to take on. So do you have any specific examples of how you went about prioritizing the changes that you didn't implement? Yeah, look, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, and kind of this goes back to my point of, when you've got 80,000 employees, the most important thing you can do is pick a few things and focus on them. Um, I, I say to folks all the time, there's two powerful words in business, yes and no. And uh, too often you don't use them. Um, too often you create committees and keep evaluating and so on and so forth. And you look at this sheet of paper and it's like supposedly you're working on like 100 things. The reality is you're working on nothing, right? So what um, we really were purposeful was like, and Chipotle had a, lots of ideas. Like when I got to the company, it wasn't like they didn't have ideas. They had lots of ideas. The problem we were struggling with was executing an idea and then staying committed to an idea. Because, um, look, when you get committed on an idea, you have to be open to feedback. And that feedback could be it's not working. Um, so I would just encourage you, pick the three to five things you're going to go work on. Go work on them. And don't be afraid of the feedback. The feedback could be you picked wrong 
okay? And the trick then is to move uh, and then figure out what are then, you're, you can go ahead and replace number five with the new number five, but don't create a number six. Um, and so, you know, that's what's really, I think, served us well at uh, Chipotle is we've got right now our five key things we're focused on. And, uh, you know, some have gone really well. Others we still have opportunities to be better at. But pick. Use, use those two words, yes, no. Uh, I think we have time for one more question. It's interesting. Hi, my name's Jason Rapp. I, um, I imagine of the 80,000 employees, uh, the average age is uh, on the younger side. I'm curious as to what you've learned from your employees uh, and how they think about the world and how that informs decision on, decisions on how you do your uh, consumer marketing. Yeah, look, that's, that's, a, that's another one that's been really powerful. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but as a result, we've changed some of our benefits of late. Um, and what some of the younger employees were telling us is they needed uh, debt-free degrees, not just tuition reimbursement. And so we've been working with schools to create curriculums that basically um, we negotiate on their behalf, and then they can go ahead and get a degree, whether it's in technology or business. The other thing we heard from them was uh, mental health benefits. And so we just rolled out mental health benefits for all 80,000 employees as well. Uh, and then the other thing was, hey, if, if I'm a part of this team, all the way down to, you know, the crew member, if we achieve metrics, you know, why can't I participate in a bonus? And so, you know, I was like, that's a fair piece of feedback. And so we've actually now rolled out bonuses that go all the way down to uh, the hourly employee. And so every quarter they have the ability to earn, you know, a bonus. And, you know, if they're successful, they basically can earn an extra month's pay. Um, so we, we got a lot of feedback on just the employee experience. And then the other piece of feedback we got is they really do believe in the purpose of cultivating a better world. So, um, you know, sustainability is hugely important. You know, we've adopted programs and we've invested in these programs. We take all the gloves, as you see our team members use, and we recycle all those gloves and turn those into trash bags. Um, and, you know, that's just an example of us trying to do the right thing, minimize our waste. Um, and you know what? These folks really, they care a lot about doing the little things that they believe is making their community better. Um, the other thing that young people want is growth opportunities. Um, and... You know, everybody needs a first job, but uh, I also think if you can demonstrate to them, hey, look, if you get trained and you can contribute on this team effectively, you have the ability to move from being a crew member to an assistant manager to a restaurant manager to a field leader in short order. And I was just with this young man in Atlanta, and he went from being uh, one of our grill guys to one of our restaurant general managers in less than 24 months. So th those are the things we hear from them, um, you know. I feel like it's an overused word, this idea of authenticity and transparency, but it's very important um, if you want to attract and retain young people in your organization. Perfect. Sure. I think we're going to leave it right there. Brian, okay, thank great. you so much. Yeah, thanks, we really Kate. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys. That was our conversation with CEO Brian Nickel of Chipotle, and I'm back with Kate Rogers. You know, one of the things that really stood out to me at that whole Evolve mm -hmm. conference was when, uh, when he said the two most powerful words in business are yes and no and to be decisive. Maybe doesn't work. Maybe is postponing. And he likes to make decisions right then and there. I remember back in my career early on, uh, one of the decision makers at my former employer said, you know, if you know you're going to make a decision, don't postpone it. Do it right there. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're close, 
make the decision, even if it's a painful one. And I think those are really good words to live by. They are. And I think you're hearing them from a CEO who came in with a very clear vision of what he wanted to do at this company. And he's implemented a very precise strategy that's working really well. And investors are excited about it. I mean, we talked about the stock performance, talked about the growth in all of these different categories that he's implemented there. Um, And I think it's because he has a clear vision, you know? Did you think four years ago when Chipotle was going through its food safety Mm -hmm. issues that it would come back, come roaring back the way it has? Because I tell you, I was a skeptic. I mean, you know, when you talk to analysts about it, they say consumers will either hinge on that event and not move past it. Uh, But they also largely believed, I think, that if this company had the right leader in place, the right turnaround strategy, it was possible. And I think, you know, they've been proven right, those that are in that camp, that it is possible and that people are willing to forgive and forget and move on when they're given a reason to trust. And I think that that certainly happened and the, there. And the stock was was crushed like a, a ripe avocado <laughs> there for a long time. But as you pointed out earlier, it has come back big time. It has. And I think uh, a lot of that gets to the technology growth that's become so important at nearly every restaurant company. I mean, Jim Cramer calls Domino's a technology company yeah. half the time because you look at the way that company's implemented growth around um, its digital platforms and its ordering. I mean, Chipotle's really done the same thing and it's becoming increasingly important to its customer base. You know, you know what else is interesting is also at that Evolve mm-hmm. event, we had Chip Berg, who's the CEO of Levi's. Uh, both Brian and Chip mm-hmm. came out of Procter & Gamble, mm-hmm. where they learned branding. That is the it's, It really is an incubator for CEOs, mm-hmm. and we had two of them on that stage that day. And I think uh, uh, Brian would say his experience at P&G was really the formative that's right. Phase of his career. He talked about working on campaigns for Scope. He talked about Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. You yeah. know, having these catchy advertising phrases. But I think it all gets to a sticky consumer, right? People that need this product, they are loyal to this brand. And so I think he applied that skill set, obviously, to the restaurant world at two different companies now in Taco Bell and Chipotle. And if and you had worked. a damaged brand, which Chipotle was, mm-hmm. who better than a branding expert to turn it around, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's right. I mean... Like we said, priority number one, remind people why they love this brand. It's a simple statement. It's not necessarily an easy task, uh, but they went in there. They stuck to this menu. They really invested heavily in marketing and showing people the food, how good it looks, and, and they got people back on board, you know, in a really big way. Kate, great to be with you. Thank you, Tyler. You bet. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information about CNBC events and how you can join us in person, visit CNBCEvents.com. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 